I need to make a disclaimer. I had nothing to do with the lip sync battle. My two boys, AJ and Michael, be looking for a job. But I do think AJ spanked Micah. Come on, somebody help me. Come on. Wow. Hey, you're not seeing that in another church in Knoxville this morning, can I just tell you right now? <laughs> I was watching, I didn't know it was gonna happen really, and I was watching out of the curtain last night and I could see every new person. <laughs> now, <laughs> help me Jesus. In case you did not know, we are gonna move into a series uh, like a boss about how to handle money like a boss and all those songs of which I don't know any of those songs because I'm deeply spiritual. Come on, you people that <laughs> listen to secular music, you knew those. I could see y'all out here. If we'd have been in my groove, it'd been money, 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 money. Because see, if it's not, if it's written after about 75, I don't know it, but. <clears throat> But we're going to talk about like a boss. By the way, Easter, build up and then boom, it was over. Wasn't it incredible? Come on. <clears throat> but aren't you glad that we serve a God that victory is not limited to one weekend a year? Come on. <clears throat> so what we have to do is we've got to bring our expectation today to every campus that God's resurrection power is going to continue to move and change lives. What Jesus did on the cross and then on Easter brings that accessibility into our lives in every aspect of our life. Some of the American church believes Easter is about getting me through door number four. If you were here last weekend, can I tell you the resurrection gives you power in every area of your life, even in your money. Let me say, by the way, if you served last weekend, <clears throat> thanks so much, wasn't it, man? Over 2,000 volunteers, all of our campuses, <clears throat> man, way to go, way to go. I got several e emails of people who invited folks, so we're inviting the right people because people were mad that they even got invited. You're inviting the right people when they're angry at you that you would dare invite them to a church. One guy said, I cannot believe, I'm an atheist. You know that, how dare you? You should be like me offering a cheeseburger to a vegan. I like that, personally. <clears throat> Man, every vegan needs a good cheeseburger every now and then. <clears throat> you ever had a cheeseburger? He'll change your life. <clears throat> so, but, but li listen, I, and don't, it's not about you. If people are angry, it's not you they're rejecting, it's Jesus. They're not rejecting you if they're mad. People have always been mad. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I can't bring a sword, actually. My, I, people will divide until I come back over who I am. So, by the way, it took me 30 years to win my little brother to the Lord. So don't give up, amen? Come on, give Jesus up. It's just what it takes. It's what it takes. Hundreds of people gave their heart to Jesus. 163 people baptized last weekend. Baptisms across all our campuses that'll happen for months. Every service at Pellissippi this weekend. Now, what I wanna encourage you is we move in this series like a boss. Don't make the mistake that I made for years in separating the supernatural from the natural. Jesus 
never did that. He always linked both. But I tended to say money was natural and the spirit was supernatural. That's not right. Matter of fact, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus <clears throat> wants to do a supernatural work in your contentment? Okay, here, let me give you two things. A, it's the will of God for you to walk in contentment. It's the will of the world for you not to ever be contented. But contentment is a supernatural work. It is supernatural. Matter of fact, it is, it is the height of spiritual war. We tend to think spiritual warfare is fighting demons and pulling down strongholds. That's part of it. But the two kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven, man, they, they, they come right here battle in contentment because the world doesn't, it wants to make you think if you just get more money, have more stuff, you'll be contented. And God said, listen, I don't care how you, what, what circumstance you're in, you can have contentment. Paul said that it was a secret. In Philippians chapter four, he said, not that I speak for want. He said, I'm not telling you I need something for I've learned to become content in whatever circumstance. We believe in this world that contentment is circumstantial. If everything's good, then I have contentment wrong. I, he said, I've learned to be content. I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. It's a secret. It's a supernatural secret that the world doesn't want you to get. Because once you begin to walk with God and you walk in contentment, the world loses all of its allure and you cut all the moorings and all the strongholds that the world has on you, man, they get punted. So when it comes to finances, either you're either the boss of your money or your money is the boss of you. Now, some of you wanted this weekend me to give you 10 ways to manage your money, some practical financial money matters. And we're going to do that as it goes. Because some of you want it, you man, you want to save money so you can buy a house or buy another car or save money for college or give more or maybe take that dream vacation. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, is there? They're, they're, it, it's not wrong, but are those things the goal? Because I want you to get this. If you don't have the right goal, you will always have the wrong plan. The process precedes the product, and if you don't have the right goal, you'll never have it set up like. Right, so before we begin this journey of practically handling our finances like a boss, we need to know how to live like a boss, how to think. Because thinking is first. I think like a boss, then I live like a boss. That makes sense? So God's will for you in this series is to move into the corner office of contentment and take charge of your finances. Now, I don't want to remind you how many people have financial troubles this weekend, do I? I don't want to remind you of the, the feeling you get in the pit of your stomach every time you start to pay what part of the bills that you actually have enough money to pay. I don't want to text you and say, by the way, you haven't given since Christmas. Are you with me? If I was to, to ask how many in all of our campuses this weekend have struggled with something this week financially that's caused you stress, anything, almost every hand would go up, wouldn't it? Almost all of it. My question is this weekend is, do you want out of financial trouble? Because I can get you out of it today. He said, no, you can't. Oh, yes, God can. And I'm not talking about you winning the lottery because the lottery has ruined the lives of almost everybody that's won it. So it's not about more money. I remember Michelle and I were moving to Jennings, Louisiana, back when I thought natural and supernatural were different. 
and I go take this little church plant, 25 people, and, and I thought it wasn't spiritual to talk about money, so I didn't know what I was gonna make when I got there. I've since learned that's dumb as a stick. Because let me tell you, churches still have the motto, Lord, we'll keep him poor and you keep him humble. Any of y'all grew up in that church? They want to control the preacher because we got to give him groceries and all that kind of stuff. I got it. So we stopped right across the Alabama line, driving down to Jeans, Louisiana. We got a truck with everything we own, a trailer, pulling my 66 Corvette. The only thing we had of value, I mean, we didn't have any money, nothing. We're driving down. And we stop at McDonald's. We're having a conversation. We write down what it would, what it would take for us to live. And we came to the conclusion, young adults, you're not going to believe this, but it's true that if we could make $36,000 a year, we couldn't spend all that money. And he said, are you kidding me? It was 1990. Three decades ago, a few things have changed since then. My cell phone bill is more than my rent was back then. And so, today, and so, and I just, and, I, and then, so we get there, we're making $16,000 a year. And I'm building houses on the side, and Michelle's cleaning houses on the side to feed her three children, which I tried to get them to quit eating. Never could get that to work out. <laughs> if you're a guest, they're my kids as well, but I blame Michelle for most of the things that happened because I'm pretty sure there's something wrong with those eggs. And so, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I say that out loud, I'm so sorry. You saw it on the, did y'all see that a few minutes ago? There is something wrong with that egg that was up here. I'm just gonna tell you right now. <laughs> I love y'all. Do y'all like to have fun in church? Come on, somebody in the house of God. So we're so poor, we can't pay attention. And I remember telling Michelle, listen, Michelle, one day our salary is going to catch up and we're going to get ahead. Anybody ever thought that? Listen, 20 years later, I was still saying it. And our, our, our salary had doubled a couple times. And I said, so what was the problem? The problem was I had a champagne appetite on a beer budget. That's what my mother told me when I was a kid. Champagne appetite, beer budget. And see, our, I, I, I could never get a hold of our finances because I was never content. Because I grew up poor, I wanted stuff. Are you with me? Yeah. Only difference between men and the boys is the price of their toys. And so, so I just wanted stuff. So every time I get a raise, I'd up standard of living. And my salary could never catch up because I was never content. And then one day, somewhere on the line, I don't realize when God spoke it to me, I just became aware that either I was gonna be the boss of money or I was gonna live being money be the master of me. And I'm telling you, God says that is wrong. Does this make sense? So right now we're downsizing our house. Now we've lived in our house, we've had 10,000 promisers in our house back when we used to do. Next steps in our house, thousands and thousands of people. Michelle's children grew up in that house. Karn's football team lived in that house for four years. They were animals. So, and so we're, at, we're doing it and we're going to downsize. And already we're saying, what are we going to get rid of? Well, we can't get rid of this. We can't get rid of that. And I said, Michelle, we're going to cut the house and we got to get rid of some stuff, honey. They're going to put us on the TV show Hoarders. We've got, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? If you have a mood lately, you don't know what I'm talking about. And so, and so, and so man, we've got to realize the, the world lies. God, would you open our eyes? God, would you open our eyes to the reality of the spirit that the resurrection of Jesus changes even how we view money? 
God, would you, in the name of Jesus, open our eyes to the potential that we can walk in contentment and joy and victory and the shalom, the peace of God that passes all understanding if we would simply receive your contentment and quit buying into the lies of this world. Open our eyes and let our faith encounter our finances in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, man, y'all want some of that? So, why is enough never enough? See, it doesn't matter if you're on the low end economically or you're in the middle class economically, or you're in the upper class economically. If I could walk around the room with a microphone and you had to be honest, I could stop to people that are low, lower class economically and they'd say, if I just had more money. I can go to the middle class and they would say, if I could just have a little more money. If I could go to the upper class, they'd say, if I could just make $10,000 more. Warren Buffett's still working, he's 85, he's worth $100 billion and he's still trying to make what? More money. More is never enough. Remember I told you, Michelle, and I said, if we could make $36,000 a year, have you ever told yourself that if you get to X, you'd be happy? And then you got to X and X changed? The definition of enough, or especially what enough was compared to someone else's enough? So do me a favor, if you've got something on you that represents your finances, Pull it out. It's got my credit cards, my iPhone. It's got check, or Michelle and I checking account on it. If you've got it, pull it out. Purge. But just go ahead and hold it up. Come on, all of our campuses. Hold it up. Come on, hold it up. Come on. I know it's a Gucci. Hold it up. Don't be embarrassed. Hold it up. You're not going to carry anything but a coach. It's all right. So hold it up. Let me ask you a question. Are you holding it or does it hold you? Because for many of us, go ahead and put it down. This holds our life. Well, how do I know, pastor, that my money holds me? Let me tell you how, because you worry about it all the time. Maybe you're worried somebody would see a wad of cash or no cash. Maybe you're worried somebody would see too many credit cards or not enough credit cards. See, the problem isn't for most of us that we're worried will we have enough. We're worried about will we have enough compared to the neighbor, compared to the culture, compared to someone else, that we won't have enough compared to those people that are around us. Does that make sense? So we will never move into the corner office of contentment like a boss if we are trapped in the cubicle of what? And right here, baby, comparing to everybody else. Man, listen, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy if I had what that chick has over there, that guy that goes to my small group. You know what, I've been to, I've been to Africa and India on mission trips. I've been to garbage dumps that have over a million people that live in them. I've seen people live in a box that are happy. You live in a mansion compared to people that live in a cardboard box. I'm not, I, don't, I don't say that to make you feel guilty for what you have. Thank God that you're blessed. But is it never, ever going to be enough? Well, if I just had a thousand more square feet on my house, it'd just be a thousand more square feet to mop. We're, man, we're cutting them down, baby. Man, we're cutting down half. Why? Because Michelle's kids, thank God, have moved out. <laughs> People told me they're going to move. I said, no, they're not. <laughs> we're never getting rid of them. They're like leeches. They're hooked on right here. Come on. You mothers are shocked, dads. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. <laughs> See, comparison is in constant competition with contentment.
The world's about comparison. The kingdom of God is about contentment. And if we will allow it, comparison to what other, ha other people have will corrupt our contentment. Well, I felt good about my shoes till I saw what she got. I felt good about my car till he bought the next new model. Man, I felt good until I saw what they had. We'd be, for many of us, we'd be happy if we lived in a box and didn't know anything else but a box. Mike asked me, we were talking about this series a couple weeks ago. He said, but what am I supposed to do, Dad? Because I know what's out there. He said, you're supposed to be grateful and content with where you are and what you have. He and his wife and daughter live in an 800-square-foot house. And, man, they're happy. Listen, you can't be a hoarder. In an well, you actually can. <laughs> we lived in Jennings in a single-wide, two-bedroom trailer with three kids and Michelle and I, and Michelle's dog. We were just as happy in that trailer as we we're on the beautiful home that we're about to sell. All right, does this make sense? See, you, what, what we want to help you do is move up the ladder towards contentment, out of the cubicle of comparison into the corner office of contentment. So it's time for a promotion from the, the cubicle of comparison to the corner office of contentment. If you're going to compare with other people, you will never live like a boss. You will never walk in contentment unless you look at other people and say, man, wow, praise God, that's a nice car. I'm so glad you have that. Woo, I'd hate to pay insurance on that sucker. <laughs> you don't have to say the last phrase. The Bible says, be grateful when God blesses people. Weep when people struggle. Are you with me? So it's time for promotion, believers. Quit wallowing with the world and believe in the lies of Lucifer. When God has a bigger, better life, your money problems would be done today if you would breathe in contentment and quit comparing yourself and trust the God that raised his son from the grave to raise you up. Come on. So... We're going to go back to the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at some passages out of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find different passages that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, you, you, why? And people say, well, how come they're different? Because Jesus preached that sermon hundreds of times. He preached it all over. Now, today we call that a candy stick. If another church calls me and says, hey, Pastor Chris, why don't you come preach? Man, I'm going to pull out something. I'm going to polish it, one that y'all loved. Are you with me? Good at, I know the jokes. What was, was, was that a candy stick for Jesus? No, these truths are so eternal. They are so pervasive that everywhere Jesus went, he taught these principles. And there is applicable, applicable there's applicable today. <laughs> I speak for a living. They're as applicable today as they were 21 centuries ago. Jesus says in 6.24, how many can serve two masters? How many? Nobody can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and? Now, I really need to take and do a whole message on this word, because this word in the Greek is mammon. It is a Babylonian god of wealth and money. There is a spirit that is attached to money and wealth. That's why it's called, that's why I said it's spiritual warfare. See, we we struggle. 
with these two, he didn't say, Jesus didn't say between God and sex, between God and success, between God and athletics, between God and academics. He said, you cannot serve God and money because both of these, this is a big G, a little G, and you cannot serve both of them. You've got to pick one. That's why Paul said greed was idolatry because there's a spirit. That's why we never can have enough. That's why we think if we just get more, get more, get more, get more, we'll eventually be content. It's a lie of money, and money has a spirit. Does this make sense? It just does. And so what Jesus is doing 2,000 years ago, he's still doing today. Who's going to be the boss? You want to live like a boss, pick the right boss. There's only two bosses. There is God and there is money. Who's going to be the boss of me? Are you with me? Does this make sense? When you got saved, you confessed Jesus as boss, Lord, master, kurios in the Greek, the ruler, the king. Now, his disciples that he is teaching right here, they are about to leave everything. Matthew was wealthy. You know, Peter and James and John, and they are fishermen. They're leaving their businesses and everything to follow Jesus to get out there and get the gospel spread. How would they get by? They had to trust God. Could they really be content with having nothing? Jesus said, a guy wants to follow me, said, the son of man has no place to lay his head. All of us have more than Jesus had when he was here. Every one of us had more than Jesus had when we were here. And so he said, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Does this make sense? And so it's, again, it's not about the stuff. So as we read the passage, Jesus is asking us, he's saying, listen, who's going to be the boss? And the reality is that comparison forces us into the cubicle and contentment forces us into joy. So let's pick let's go to the next verse. For this reason, I say to you, for what reason? For the reason of the verse we just read. You can't serve two gods. You got to pick who's going to be boss, like a boss, right? You got to pick. And for this reason, because I've already pointed that out to you, I say to you, don't be worried. How many people worry about money? How many people worry? Come on. You know, I told your hand up, man. Listen, when, when things are going wrong in our house, Michelle said, I'm worried. I said, call your dad. He's good at worrying. Or call my mother. She is a PhD warrior. And so if they don't have anything to worry, they'll appreciate something else. She used to, she'd say, I'd worry. I'd say, listen, put it on your calendar next week, Thursday from 8 to 9, you're going to worry. He said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I know it's like saying to Mark, God, let me wake up and just worry. God, consume me with worry. Let my blood pressure go up. God, I just worry, 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 worry. <laughs> he said, that's crazy talk, Chris. I know. So Jesus said, quit worrying. See, the resurrection impacts every area of your life. Hey, don't be worried about your life. Listen, if you die and you're saved, you're going to heaven. It's going to be better. As to what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor your body as to what you're going to put on it, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now listen, <laughs> many of us look in a master closet in our bedroom and we've got enough clothes to go a full year and never wash anything and wear something different every day. We're the first generation that looked at like an apartment store and said, I don't have a thing to wear. I told Michelle, you get another pair of shoes, something's going out. 
A new pair of shoes in, new pair of shoes out. I mean, listen, you can't put any more in here. There's no more room. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. I got some clothes too, but not as much as her. And so, <laughs> it's body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap or gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you worried that God's not gonna come through? You're gonna starve? Come on. <laughs> oh, don't say it, Chris. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who have you by being worried kept out a single hour to his life? See, the, the, the English word worry, it comes from the Greek word to choke or to strangle. And we, we talked a couple weeks ago about the parable of the soils and the sower and the seed and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. And so many of us, we feel trapped in this cubicle today. We feel trapped because we're comparing to what someone else had. We liked what we had until we looked at what someone else has. We can't look out the window, see anybody else here, man, we're trapped, just consumed with these walls that close in on us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, they just, these walls are too close to comfort. They just are all of the fabric just consuming us. See, here's the deal. Come on, or if, you're, or if, you're, if you're listening, say, I am. I am. Comparison will consume you, but contentment will free you. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there, there is liberty. God sets you free from the moorings and the strongholds of this world. You don't have to be trapped in this cubicle of comparing. You can be delivered. Man, quit being consumed by comparing material stuff. Their car, their money, come on. Man, we're trapped by comparing. How much do they have compared to what I have? Does this make sense? Is this, are, you, are you okay with this? See, what God has for you is so much better. You say, Chris, you've got to have a million dollars of the joy of the Lord. Give me the joy of the Lord. Amen. Well, if I had a million dollars, I'd have the joy of the Lord. It shows how stupid you are. <laughs> because if somebody gets a million dollars, they only want one thing. Two million. That's exactly right. It's never enough. Give me the shalom of God, the peace of God. Come on. What we want, what God has for us. It's free, but we believe we put all of our trust in things that are, that are temporal. I walked in the hospital three days ago. Bob, Bob Sitterson was in his wife's duty. They've been, they've been serving at Pelsippi for years and years, faithful senior adult couple. And I slipped in, which I typically do, and, and I, I, I invaded a holy moment. I, I, I couldn't even leave the door. He was across the room. Bob was on his knees, weeping over his wife's hand, praying, telling her, it's okay, go be with Jesus. It's okay, baby, go be with Jesus. I love you. Thank God for every minute with you. I couldn't move. I was just sitting there watching. Can I tell you what? Bob Sitterson would give all the money in the world for one more day with Judy. One more time to say, baby, I love you. One more time to say, you have, been, you have made my life a joy. But he doesn't get to say that here. He'll get to say it in heaven. See, the things that we want more than anything else are all free. Amen. And if you walk in contentment, listen, matter of fact, the world can go to hell around you. The stock market could crash and you can lose your entire retirement tomorrow. And God said, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you will not fear. 
Man, that's what God offers. He says, listen, stop putting all your contentment in stuff. See, stuff gives dangerous and false sense of security and a feeling that only ends in tragedy. The guy that said, man, what a bumper crop. I'll tear my barns down, build bigger barns, and I'm going to chill out for the rest of my life. And God said, you fool, today your life is required of you. See, Jesus never told us to worry, did he? It's about comparison. And it doesn't add any value. Can I tell you, worry doesn't fix tomorrow. It just ruins today. You can't worship and worry. You can't praise and worry. You can have contentment and worry. They're mutually exclusive within your heart. Worry doesn't add any value to your life. Worry just traps you in the cubicle of comparison. That's why Paul said to the, those who want to get rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Well, we want to get rich because we believe we'll be happy. We just want to be rich. We want to be rich like somebody else. We want to be rich like Bill Gates. We want to be rich like Warren Buffett. We want to be rich like somebody that we're comparing ourselves to. Comparison plunges you into car payments you can't afford, a house payment that you can't afford, credit cards that are maxed out, no margin in your finances because if, you, if I could just get right here, I'd be happy. And then you get there and you just now have more stress and more worry. Why? Because there's no margin in your life. Does this make sense? Come on, by believing the lies of the world. And listen, if you'll walk in this word of God today, man, I have bathed this message in prayer that God would open all of our eyes, mine included. Only in contentment are we freed from comparing our stuff and ourselves to the people around us. Man, only, are you with me? Contentment gives you back your money gives you back your time. It gives you back the joy of the Lord. It gives, you back, it gives you back the peace of God that passes all understanding. Listen, let everybody else run the rat race, step off the track, and bask in the glory that is God's. Does this make sense? See, this is not just a sermon. This is a way of life. That's why Paul said this is a secret that the world never wants you to get because when you get this, you will cut yourself loose from the strongholds, the strangleholds that the world does to rob you of your joy and victory. Jesus goes on. Why are you worried? Again, there he comes back. Why are you being choked out, strangled? By clothing. That's so worried. Come on. How, you know, but we'll walk in a new room and think, I wonder what they think of my outfit. Nobody knows you got a new one. Are you with me? Nobody knows. Now, they knew these shoes were new. Somebody said, I'm stepping on those shoes. I'm tired of watching those white shoes on the platform. I'm going to get them dirty. Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, who wore robes with gold, not the color gold, but literally golden thread in all his glory, not clothed himself like one of the lilies of the valley. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow's thrown in the furnace, Will he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? See, we're worried because we don't have faith. And we don't have faith because we compare ourselves to someone else that has more. If you want to compare yourself, go on a mission trip with us and compare yourself to people that live in the third world countries. Go compare yourself to them. The poor people in America live better than the middle class people around the world. Most of you will spend more on lunch today 
than the bulk than than three billion people will make in the next month. Now, again, I don't say that to make you feel guilty. Thank God we're blessed, amen. Man, I got let God give us a double portion. It's not that. It's just saying, thank you, God. Look at my look at the blessings I have. By the way, who told you to compare yourself to someone in your small group or somebody you work with or somebody in the cubicle next to you? Who told you to compare yourself? It wasn't God, was it? Because he said, if you're going to compare yourself, compare yourself to the lilies of the field and the birds of the sky. Matter of fact, God says, see, comparison is always out of context because the context is always changing when you live in comparison. Your health changes, your wealth changes, your friend, I mean, things change. Contentment keeps things in context, and the context of contentment never changes. See, we got a cubicle on stage because cubicle circumstantial. We can move this anywhere. It sits, we can move it anywhere we want. We couldn't put a corner office here because the corner office is fixed into the foundation. The foundation of your heart. Who's sitting in the corner office? Is Jesus the boss of your heart, your mind, your actions, your attitude? Have you bowed your knee and said, Lord Jesus, I live to serve you. I live to bless you. I live to please you. Does this make sense? I'm not living to the world's lies. I'm living for you. I love what Andy Stanley said. Real contentment is simply not the satisfaction with what you have, but it is the satisfaction with your creator. See, the world advertises contentment and God promises contentment. What's the difference? The world says, look at what you have and say, that's enough. God says, look at who I am and say, I'm enough. God's enough. Are you with me? See, contentment is not based on circumstances that change, but on the person of God who never changes, who is always faithful. Is God's power enough? Is his glory enough? His wisdom and his grace enough? Contentment keeps your life in context. It's what God does, Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, your house, your cars, what you need, it's going to be provided. Now, some of us have found ourselves trapped, caught in the cubicle of comparison. And some of you cannot experience contentment because real contentment is not circumstantial. It's not It's not relegated to a time frame. See, some of you can't have contentment because you don't know God. And you've got to be able to look in the face of God. That's why I want you to have a prayer time and a quiet time and a growth plan. Every day you look into the face of God and you say, you're enough, God. And everything you give me today is just gravy on the potatoes. God, I love you. I receive from your hand. Does this make sense? And we're not tracked by what the world says you gotta have. We don't have to be cool, we don't want to be hip. Who cares what people think about me? God's smiling at me. Right? We just, man, we cut off all the anchors. This is why I said, I, God can fix your financial problems today. You just decide today, I'm gonna be content. Whatever circumstance I'm in, I'm gonna walk in the secret. The world's lost all its control on me. But if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, we're gonna Romans 10, 13 you. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're ready at all of our campuses, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer with us. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know we're separated. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my boss. Be my Lord. I will live for you. 
Give me your contentment, your joy, your peace. Not as the world lies, but as you provide. I'll follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all God's people said, come on, somebody. Amen. Glory to the King. Now, as we, we move into a time of generosity and to worship with our giving, as we, we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, and Matthew said, seek you first his kingdom. I'm going to take care of everything else, God said. If you'll seek me first, I'll take care of everything else. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Don't borrow trouble. But if we're going to live like a boss, then we've got to seek you first the kingdom of God. That means God comes first in everything. That means we trust him in everything, not just salvation, but in our finances. So we just completely trust that God's able to carry us. We're no longer going to worry about money. Does worrying add money? Does fretting add money? We're not going to worry about that. We'll say, God, I've got, even some of us got ourselves in a bind. We're going to talk about that in weeks to come, how to get out of the bind. But Lord, you're going to help me get out of it. So we, as we move into generosity, I, I invite you to just take your next step. Some of you, you'll give for the first time. Praise God. And thank the Lord. Others, you're, you're moving into a learner. You're, you're putting God in your budget. Others are stepping up for the first time into a core level. We call tithe, that return our tithe, the first portion back to God. Others moving into lavish. And praise God. If you're a guest, really, only thing we ask you is the communication card. We're not going to stalk you. We can't make you come back. You're going to come back because you want to or you're not. Amen? We, don't, we, don't, we can't make you. And so just put the communication card in there. If you just gave your heart to Jesus, I would ask you to, to give your name, email, cell phone, check the boxes to the right of that. And then either put down the service you're going to get baptized or last week if you said yes to Jesus and hundreds did, put down when you're going to be baptized. Come on, don't put it off. Amen? Amen. Listen, let's quit living like the world. Let's just obey God. And by the way, if it just reminds you that half a year away is heart for the harvest. I talked to Jim and I said, Heart for the Harvest is in our budget every week, and we actually increased it this year. Man, we all do it. We'll, listen, we'll be able to go so much farther in the vision, it's incredible. So we invite you to take your next step. As the ushers come forward, God, would you take and bless this offering, the gift and the giver? People that will begin giving today, people that gave online, God, would you bless it and use it for your honor, for your glory? God, we put you first in everything, in our faith, in our health, in our, in our eternity, and in our finances. God bless this as our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said, give him a shout as we get ready to give.